Good morning. Our Bible reading, as Langdon has said, is taken from the book of Genesis and reading from chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realised that they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, "'Where are you?' And he answered, "'I heard you in the garden.' And I was afraid, because I was naked, and so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Amen. Thanks, Alan. Isn't it lovely to hear the word of God really well read? Well done, Alan. 
Thank you so much uh, for your warm welcome, and if you're watching online today, Kaz and I just want to say we love being ministry partners with you. It's just great to be here in person, and we're thanking that COVID made it possible, so that's good. How about I pray as we get into God's Word and ask Him to speak to us today? Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, speak to us by Your Word. Open our ears, soften our hearts, so that we can respond to You with faith and obedience. Help us to trust what we hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are so many voices that surround us every single day. Each one is clamoring for our attention. Advertisers, they want our cash. Service providers, our loyalty. And our bosses want our best. And the kids, well, the kids just want takeaway again. At times, it can seem like everybody is speaking all at once, everybody wanting to bend our wills, change our minds and chew our ears. Every voice wants a piece of us. Everyone wants to influence us, and we feel that pressure from all around. Our elders exerting pressure from above, our peers from beside, and our kids from below. And our own voice, it struggles to be heard. Then there's the air we, we breathe. It's filled with influences. On our social media platforms, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all of them declaring to us what we ought to be like, telling us what we ought to aspire to. And, and, and as we look around, these voices surround us and every single one of them has an agenda. Every single one of them wants something from us or something for us. Every single one of them wants to shape our decisions. And there are so many decisions to be made every single day. And so with so many voices, as we begin 2021, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you, I want you to get you to ask yourselves rather, who should I listen to? Whose voice should I trust? And how do I know? To help us work it out, we're going to go right back to the beginning, back to the Garden of Eden and back to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to meet the first social influencer. The opening scene sets things up for us as we meet the serpent. Have a look at how it begins with the setup. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now, if that doesn't, as readers, make us a little wary, nothing will. The serpent, he is crafty, he's scheming, he's devious, he is a slippery sucker. And we'll just see how true that is as the verse continues. Because he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? In other words, has God placed you here in paradise with an abundance of food all around you and said, you can't even have one bite. In other words, is God really that mean that he'd deprive you of something so good? Now, with this opening salvo, the servant has begun the setup. With just one sentence, he's begun to sow doubt in Eve's mind. And at first glance... Eve seems to have Satan's measure. Look at verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. God's not tight. He's generous. He's, he's given us the fruit of the trees. 
Oh, but God did say, she said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. There is one exception, one exception just the one. And what she does is she gives a really good go at quoting what God had said to Adam in chapter 2. We're not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, up until this point, Eve is absolutely right. But then she oversteps and adds, that is, she puts words in God's mouth, words that were never there. She adds, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, with the setup in place, the serpent is ready to roll out the lie. Have a look at verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. There it is. Bold, brassy and brazen. God says you will, I say you won't. There's the lie. But he doesn't stop there because he wants to make sure that Eve swallows the lie so he continues and wraps the lie in the truth. Verse 5, he says, the serpent said, let me tell you why you won't die. You won't die, which we know is a lie. You won't die for a very good reason. You won't die, verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, this guy is very crafty. He is so slippery because he is so right. He knows that the best lies are the ones that sail closest to the truth. Everything you see in verse 5 is right. God knows that when they eat of it, their eyes will be opened. That is absolutely true. And when their eyes are opened, they will become like God. They will know good and evil. It's all true. And yet, it is such a lie. Because when we put verses 4 and 5 together, we see the serpent making God out to be the liar. God denying Eve something good. God denying her the opportunity to be like him to be God, who decides what is right and wrong, good and evil. You see, the serpent is selling Eve the lie, the lie that God is holding out on her, holding back something good, something that's to be desired, something that's just there for the taking, if she would just only reach out her hand. He's selling her the lie that he, the serpent, has her best interests at heart, that he has the truth, that he has what she really wants, what she needs, what is good. Stop with me for a minute. Remember those three questions? Who should I listen to? Whose voice should I trust and how do I know? The first part of the answer is that it's only worth listening to the one who will tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And here's the truth. Satan is the father of lies. That's all he does. Lies. Very clever lies. Lies wrapped up in the truth. Lies that seem like the truth. Lies that make perfect sense. Lies that make God out to be mean, holding back from us things that are good, experiences that we have a right to, desires that ought to be fulfilled but they're lies nonetheless. Who should I listen to? Whose voice should I trust and how do I know? Friends, listen to the one who 
always tells the truth, whose word is never a lie. The serpent lied and Eve swallowed the lie. She swallowed it hook, line and sinker. Look at verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And notice, she's not alone in this. Adam is right there. She also gave some to a husband who was with her and he ate. Adam's been part of this from the beginning. The mute participant, if you like, in the wings. He didn't speak up. He didn't tell the serpent it was a lie. He stood by and listened to his wife rather than God, joined in and swallowed the lie. Together, they believed that if they ate, they would be like gods, knowing good and evil. Having the knowledge that God had denied them, the experience that he'd kept from them. Friends, that's actually what is at the heart of sin, the lie. The lie that we believe, the lie that says we would be better off making our own choices, the lie that God hasn't told us the truth, the the lie that means that we don't trust God to tell us the truth. So when God says yes, we think we know better and choose no. When God says no, we say yes. When he calls black, we go with white. When he says go, we choose to stay. Why? Because we trust the father of lies because we listen to him and swallow whatever he serves up as the truth. And friends, the outcome is always the same. It's never what Satan promises. It always ends in tears. It always ends as God promised it would, ultimately, in death. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened... And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Satan said, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. My guess is that when they heard those words, all Adam and Eve heard was, you will be like God. And and that thought, I think, was probably quite intoxicating. As I said earlier, Satan keeps wrapping his lie in the truth, And the truth is, they did become like God. Not in every way. Not in the way that they wanted, but in this way. Their eyes were opened, and they now knew good and evil. They knew that they were naked. Here is my oldest granddaughter earlier this week in bed with us. Uh, She's innocent, her eyes are not opened, and she is more than happy to run around the house stark naked. It won't last. It didn't in your case. It's good to see you dressed this morning, although those of you at home, I'm not sure what you have on as you're sitting on the couch. Um, But look, it's, it's more than that, you see. They now knew that they were naked. Their eyes were opened and they now know more than nakedness, they now know that they've chosen evil, chosen evil over good. You can see it in the reaction to God approaching. Verse 8, their reaction is for the first time in history, the reaction is fear. And when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, 
When they hear that, what do they do? The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But there's nowhere to hide. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam knows good and evil. He knows he's done evil. And he hid from God who said to him, who told you that you were naked? How did you know? Who have you been listening to? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Answer, yes. Adam knew good and evil. And he knew that he needed to push the blame for the evil onto someone else. So the man said, the woman. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me to eat from the fruit of the tree and I ate. Adam's really clever. He tries to push the blame in two directions. Firstly, God, it's your fault, right? You gave her to me and she gave me the fruit. It's your fault and it's her fault. It's not mine. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, it's not my fault. Right? It's his uh, the serpent, he deceived me. I listened to him. He's super crafty, convincing. He tapped into my desires. He played me like a fiddle and I ate. Although they can push the blame in any direction they like. But the sad fact is, they both listened to the serpent. They both chose evil over good. Come back to my three questions. Who should I listen to? Whose voice should I trust? And how do I know? I reckon that the second part of the answer is pretty obvious. Don't listen to anyone who would lead you to choose evil over good. Don't trust anyone who tells you that God is a liar, who, who calls God's word into doubt, who offers you something that seems to, too good to be true because it never is. It's always a very clever lie wrapped up in the truth. So let me ask you this this morning. As 2021 opens, in reality, who are you actually listening to? Whose voice are you trusting? What are they promising you? And have they wrapped the truth up in a lie? And have you swallowed the lie, hook, line and sinker? And more importantly... How would you know if you'd done that? How would you know if that's exactly what... How would you know if you've been suckered, played like a fiddle? We'll come to that question in a moment. But first, have a look at the second half of Genesis chapter 3. For it's there that the Lord God rolls out his punishment to the serpent, to the woman and to the man. And each punishment is really a daily reminder, not just for the one who's punished, but for everybody who looks on. A daily reminder that God always speaks the truth, that he always has our best interests at heart, that he always means what he says and does what he means. Check out verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. 
On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Friends, God speaks to us today every time we see a snake. Because there we see God's reminder of Satan's cunning, his craftiness and his lies. Every time we see a snake, God's word speaks loud and clear. Don't buy the lie. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, about three months ago, my daughter Lizzie gave birth to our second granddaughter, Elena, and she's very cute. Right? It was painful, but Elena is very beautiful. At every birth, God speaks loud and clear. He says, I promised this would happen. It has. I've kept my word. It is true. You can always trust what I say. So don't listen to Satan. Don't buy his lie. But for women, it's not just at birth, but every day, because God continues, Eve, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you, which, which simply means that as a punishment for listening to Satan, for choosing his word over mine, there is now going to be conflict in your most intimate relationship. I created you, Eve, as a helper for Adam. But from now on, you'll not want to help him but rule over him. Yet that desire will be frustrated and he will rule over you. And in every day in marriages all around the globe, the ones that you've been in and the ones that you've observed, each one of us has seen that power struggle. We've witnessed the tension, we've felt the heartache and every time we have, God has spoken loud and clear again. He said, I always tell you the truth. The whole truth and what I say happens just the way I said it would. So friends, don't listen to Satan. Don't buy his lies. He will never, ever tell you the truth. And to Adam he said this. He said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Adam, I spoke. I spoke to you so clearly, mate, it was just one command. But you, Adam, you wouldn't listen to me. You listened to the serpent who deceived your wife. And because of that, because you clearly did what I told you not to do, I'm going to give you a daily reminder, a reminder of your folly, your sin, of your refusal to listen. God says, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Every day work will be difficult. Every day you'll have to sweat just to eat. Every day you'll be frustrated by your work. Every day you'll be reminded of the words that I spoke to you. Every day that pain, that frustration, that sweat will remind you that you did not listen to me. But not only that, every day you'll be reminded that you're but dust. 
that I promised that, that when you ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you would surely die. And so you shall. And as verse 24 makes clear, God then drove the man, he drove them out of Eden and placed at the east of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life, cutting them and us off from life and keeping his promise that we would surely die. Every day, God speaks through death. COVID, you see, is just the latest in-your-face reminder that as a friend recently said to me, you and I, we are all standing in the line for the crematorium. It's just a question of when our number will be called. Your death, my death, the deaths of those that we love, they're just reminders that God is speaking, that he keeps his word and that he expects us to listen and that he takes it very seriously when we don't. Question for you. Why did God give Adam the command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Answer? I think it's because he knew what would happen when they did. And he wanted to spare Adam the consequences because he cared for Adam, he loved Adam. And the last thing he wanted was for Adam and Eve to suffer. God spoke to Adam to care for him, to protect him, to love him, to serve him. Why did Satan speak? To, de to deceive, to destroy, to demolish, to tear apart the relationship between God and humanity, between Adam and Eve. I want you to notice something. God's judgment on humanity for our refusal to listen is tough. It's exactly what he promised. Yet in the midst of the hard things that we hear, there are also soft words of grace. Remember Adam and Eve, they made garments out of fig leaves for themselves, but before they leave the garden, look at verse 21. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. God made proper clothes. He tailored outfits for them that would protect them and care for them as they left the garden and prepared to die. And as they left, they were left with one gracious promise. One promise that God spoke in the midst of judgment. It's in verse 15. It was spoken to the servant, but it gives enormous hope to Adam and Eve and to us. To the serpent, the Lord God said, I will put enmity, hostility, between you, the serpent, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, the word bruise is a little hard to translate. It could be bruise or batter or crush. My personal favorite is crush. Right? Either way, God is promising that one of Eve's descendants, one of her children, would come at Satan's head with a baseball bat and smash it to pieces, crush him, kill him, remove him and his stain from the world. In many ways, the rest of the Bible is the search for the crusher, the one who would come and take Satan out and destroy him forever. No surprises here. God kept his word. 
That's what Jesus did on the cross. Satan struck his head and took his life, but God raised him from the dead, glorifying his sacrifice that put an end to sin and destroyed Satan's power, guaranteeing his final demise. So as Adam and Eve left the garden, they left with that promise ringing in their ears. Come back to my three questions. Let's rewind the tape and let's pretend that Adam and Eve could do it all over again, but differently this time. Who should they listen to? Whose voice should they trust? And how would they know? With hindsight, it's easy, isn't it? With hindsight, Adam would have stepped up, stepped forward and simply said, Eve, honey, we have an adversary, the serpent, who speaks lies all the time. He will lie. He will clothe the truth with a lie. He will promise things that that he can't deliver. He will never have our best interests at heart. He's destructive. He's deceptive. He wants to tear us down. And Eve, what he's just said to you, that's not what the Lord God said because that's not what God is like. He loves us. He's been abundantly generous to us. He wants to care for us and protect us. He's not a Scrooge. He's given us the whole of the garden. He's given us every good thing. Our Lord God always tells the truth. He's gracious. He's always for us. In 2021, we have so many competing voices all around us. Who do I listen to? How do I know if they're from God or not? Who do I trust? How do I know if they're for me or against me? How do I know? There are three simple things that you and I can do, takeaways from today. Three things that Adam and Eve didn't do and they should have done. Firstly, you and I, we've got to recognise that we have an adversary, the devil, and that he is the father of lies and he will use anything and anyone to deceive us, wrapping his lies in the truth. Friends, we must not be naive. That means we're going to have to test everything that we hear from everyone. And we're going to have to filter out the lies and toss them away because his aim is to destroy, to degrade and to take everything away from us that God would have us enjoy. So firstly, we have an adversary. We simply cannot trust him. Secondly, we need to make a decision that we will trust God and that we will trust what he says. And I want to say that making that decision is actually very easy. Because all of the evidence points to the fact that God always keeps his word. What he says, he does. The promises he makes, he keeps. He doesn't twist, he doesn't distort, he doesn't play games with the truth. Not only that, the evidence is overwhelming that he cares for us and loves us and wants what is best for us. So when he speaks, you and I would be out of our minds not to listen. We have an adversary we cannot trust. We have a God who will always tell us the truth because he loves us. And thirdly, you and I, we need a filter. We need a filter so that we can identify the lies, a filter that's got to be way better than our intelligence because I don't know about you, actually I do know about you, you're not clever enough and neither am I. And it can't be our hearts because we're too easily deceived. The filter that we've got to have has got to be external to me, external to you. That is, the only filter that makes any sense at all is all that God has already said to us in his word. God's word is the perfect sieve. 
It's the ultimate filter to strain out Satan's lies, which means you and I need to know God's Word, like really deeply, personally know it. Know what it says, know how to read it, know how to read it for ourselves, and to be doing that day in and day out. We need to be so familiar with God's voice in His Word that whenever any other voice tries to say something different, we're so used to hearing the truth We're so familiar with God's mind that the lies, they grate, they crunch, they clang, they so obviously don't fit that we can toss them away. Now, reading the Bible can be just a little intimidating. You know, it's 66 books written over a large period of times and it can be hard to know where to start. Here's my number one tip. Start with some help. Help that gets you reading what God has to say rather than telling you what it means. Help that helps you to understand what he said, not what somebody else thinks. The Explore app is an absolute ripper. I've been using it for years. I never get tired of it. It keeps me regular and helps me to understand the bits of the Bible that I find confusing. I can choose whichever bits of the Bible I'd like to read. It helps me fit the whole of the Bible together. I've just finished reading Exodus. I'd been putting it off. That's a page of, uh, what do you call it, Um, explore. That's what it looks like inside. I'd been putting it off. When I started, I thought reading Exodus would be a bit like pulling teeth, you know, all rules and regulations. I loved it. I found myself the other day on my way to exercise before breakfast thinking, I wonder what I'm going to discover today. It was really good reading Exodus. It taught me a whole bunch of things that I'd never seen in God's Word before. It extended my understanding of all that God has said, caused me to love and appreciate Him so much more. All God had done for me, all of it was great. So let me say, if you're already reading God's Word daily, keep going, keep reading, keep listening, keep exploring, keep praying, keep at it. If you're yet to start, straight after the service, download the app, pick a book of the Bible you want to study, and start reading today. Oh, and by the way, work out when is going to work for you. For me, I'm a no Bible, no breakfast kind of guy. So when my cold oats go on the table, I flip open, explore, and I eat and read and pray. A friend of mine couldn't find a time, but one thing he did every day, he dropped his kids at school. So what he did was he dropped his kid at school, drove around the corner, put the car in park, wound down the window and does his quiet time in the car. It's the only piece of peace he gets during the day that's regular. So that's what he does. It doesn't matter when, pick a time that works for you and get busy hearing God speak. Because 2021 is going to be no different. There are going to be voices everywhere. His is the only one you need to hear. It's the only one that you can trust and you need to hear it every day. How about I pray and ask God to speak to us? Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of truth, that you always speak the truth, that you love us dearly and long for us to know your plans and purposes. Father, we're sorry that we've trusted Satan's word and not yours, that we've listened to him and pushed you to one side. Forgive us and change us. Help us to make time. Give us ears that long to hear, eyes that can see, and soft hearts that respond. And we pray this in Jesus' name.